welcome back to episode 37 of the Back Pocket Banner podcast. It's great to be back. Um, it's been a probably another seven or eight days, Connor, uh, but it's good to be back. Yeah, it's probably been that bit longer than a week, but yeah, it's fantastic to be back. We've got plenty going on at the moment. Um, we've got a, well, we do have a guest coming on for next week, uh, so stay tuned for that. It'll be an exciting one. Um, it'll be Connor and my, myself tonight. We've got fair bit but bbl obviously wrapped up connor um we'll get into a bit of a bit of review on that a bit of chat about the game uh, obviously sixes and scorchers in the final yeah so yeah it did rack, wrap up um sydney sixes they went back to back uh only one of two teams per scorchers being the other to go back to back in the history of the competition so it's a fantastic effort and the sydney sixes um Perth batted first, posted no, sorry, Sixers batted first, posted one eighty nine, I think it was, or one eighty eight, which was a pretty decent score. And Scorch is probably halfway through looked like they could chase it down. And then they lost a couple of wickets uh either side of um the super overs. Uh which really set them back a bit. And um Sydney Sixers ran out uh, Twenty-eight run winners, I think it was. So yeah, it was again. Great it's performance. Probably, it's probably yeah, back to back, and they've done very well. Uh, Vince obviously ninety-five of sixty by a massive part both weeks. Uh, the last knock was that a final as well? Ninety-eight, not out. Yeah, that yeah, was their, so the against first, Scorchers as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was their first final. So I think it's fair to say Vince doesn't mind playing against the Scorchers uh, yeah. in finals. Yeah, he made duck fifty-four. 98, not out, 95, I think. Yeah, so in the tremendous, four games. tremendous few knocks weren't really mattered. And, um, yeah, obviously, Sixers get the win there. Again, I've mentioned, you know, last week, Scorchers were my tip all year. Uh, Sixers probably s- snuck up a bit on a few teams, I reckon. S- snuck through. Uh, well, not snuck through, but went through easy in the end. Like, But um, they just weren't real publicised like the other Sydney side and they've done well and shown that went back-to-back and they didn't even have, like, Smithy and a few of those, Hazelwood was he meant to be on the list? Or yeah, they had those. Guys, they've had those guys on the list really for what are like. What can you imagine what are the BBL them? seasons? But um, and they haven't played much at all. Maybe Smith and Hazelwood when they were in their younger days, but they haven't played for quite a while. So it's credit to the Sixers for being so successful. But um, yeah, that's no, great performance from the Sixers. Yeah, and obviously in other cricket news, um, the T20 and Test squads were announced um, and the Test squad or the Test tour has been cancelled to South Africa due to COVID. Um, but obviously we still get the T20s, we'll go ahead. Yeah, the lads headed off pretty much straight off the BBL finished. There's a few guys playing in in that final that uh, headed off, so they're going to... So they've gone to New Zealand and they start their... T20 international games pretty soon. I've just heard that Josh Phillip is going to make his debut for Australia and play in that game. Yeah, that'll be which good is to really see. exciting. Yeah, the BBL player of the tournament and a fantastic talent. Well, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be too old, would he, Josh Phillip? No, I think uh, 23. Yeah, and touching maybe. on that as well, the BBL player of the tournament was a quite surprised myself. I I thought Alex Hayes was a lock for it um, with a couple of huge knocks. But Josh Phillippe, he's done very well there and he's, well, undoubtedly hit a fair few runs. So it's, um yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Alex Hales was just stiff. slightly more consistent 
there wasn't too much in it. Like they hit probably similar runs, similar average, but he was slightly more consistent. But uh, Philippi obviously helped his side to to the flag, so that probably went a bit of the bit of the way in the decision. But yeah, that, they both had fantastic seasons, and Philippi looks to be a fantastic player for Australia in all forms, possibly in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. And in other, like that's probably sums up that pretty much. In other cricket, obviously we um we got the Sheffield Shield fast approaching. Uh, only a few days away till that commences. Uh, starting out with Victoria versus Queensland this Friday. Yeah, so this Friday they kick it off. Uh, recommence at the Gabba that one is, and it's a bit jumbled up with uh, the COVID and things. I think Victoria played two games for two draws. And a couple of other teams, I think Queensland might have played three or four games as it is, so that will level itself out. Or maybe other sides that aren't playing, South Australia and New South Wales, maybe that's the reason why they're not playing and only Victoria and Queensland are because they've played less games possibly. But that, that'll that be good to get back into and um, it, there will be a fair few test players coming back too yeah. and um, staking their claims there. Yeah, and um, in other cricket, I guess we could touch on, obviously there was awards, uh, all the, like, what do you even call them, cricket awards for yeah, the year? Yeah, just Australian Cricket, cricket Awards. Australia, uh, awards were given out, and you had um, the Young Cricketers of the Year were Hannah Darlington for the women's, and um, the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year was Will Sutherland, which, um, yeah, both very well deserving. We've seen what Will Sutherland can do in, in the T20 format, and um, he was... Probably reasonably good for the gauge this year. Uh, showed he's pretty handy with both bat and ball. So, um, yeah, he's done well there. And then you've obviously got the domestic players of the year. So you've got Sean Marsh got that. He's um, ageing like a fine wine, old Sean Marsh. He's yeah, definitely. And um, Elise Villani as the women's domestic player. And, um, yeah, both of them, again, had great years and hitting lots of runs in probably the state level mainly. Um, you'd say, but it also in the um, in the T20 and BBL, so that's good there. And then you've got a couple of additions to the Hall of Fame. Um, we had Merv Hughes into the Men's Hall of Fame and Lisa Stalaker as the 57th inductee into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame. So, um, yeah, that was, I guess, Hall of Fame awards aren't given out that often. And, um, yeah, Merv and Lisa are pretty well-known figures around the game, so... Yeah, it's pretty big recognition, really. Um, what did you say, 57th yeah. inductees over however long cricket's been going for um, 100-plus years. So, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. So they're pretty worthy um, recipients of that. Yeah, for sure. And then we obviously had um, the men's one-day international player of the year was Steve Smith and the women's one-day international player was Rachel Haynes. T20 players of the year was Ashton Agar for the men's and Beth Mooney for the women's. And then Beth Mooney got the Belinda Clark Award um, and that's pretty much just, you know, the best cricketer all, all year in overall forms. So Beth Mooney received that for the women's and Steve Smith, no surprise. Uh, I think it might be his third Alan Border medal uh, and he received that as well. So yeah, that's um, just some awards to top off, well, to recognise the great years all those players have had uh, in their various um, various 
what do you, you go? <laughs> various, you know, like, yeah, various um levels of, yeah, of cricket. Levels of cricket. But, so yeah, but yeah, to mention Pat Cummins was also the men's Test player of the year. I'm not sure he said that. So he had a fantastic uh, season. But yeah, Smith and uh, Beth Mooney really dominated those awards. But really, everyone that uh, received an award was it's a pretty fantastic effort. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we probably move on. We can chat about a bit of crack, uh, a bit of cricket, like <laughs> a bit of crack. You reckon? Uh, it's getting late. We should be chatting about crack. Um, but um, no, like a bit of cricket locally. We've obviously had the um, well. Every game pretty much got up except ours on the weekend. Uh, wasn't kind of ours. Ours was probably nearly the only one that got washed out. Yeah, I think there was. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about the other B-grade games, but our B-grade definitely got cancelled. There was a C-grade one there that got cancelled, but most games did get up. Yeah, and... So that was disappointing. Yeah. We missed out, but it is what it is. B-grade debut for myself, coming off a duck in the Cs. Uh, elevation into the B-grade and going to make the debut. Whacked the spikes in the, in the shoes for the first time in about three seasons. Playing on turf, which we don't get to down the lower grades, and... Yeah, didn't get game didn't get the call up, so it's a bit disappointing. But um, no, it's always back to the seas, back to the old stomping ground, and we um we move on, we move on and try and hit some runs. So no, but um, we were going to say obviously the A grade player of the week for this week. We're both in agreement with this one. Uh, the only person to score a ton in the A's this week uh, was Peter Stoudy from the Pigeon Ponds. Um, hundred and eight, I think it was. And, it was, yeah, it's a really good knock considering some of the... Well, Ponds have been really strong all year considering you've got Simon Close, Luke Merrifull and um, and um, Michael hit runs, but there's a few that didn't fire on the weekend. and They're got, pretty capable, yeah. Oh, well, everyone in their list pretty much is... Oh, I think, um, yeah, Anthony didn't hit as many, Anthony Close. But you've got those first three out for about 60, 70 runs and they probably think here we're a chance here. And then Pete Stoudy, 100, and Michael, 70, not out. So they still made 240 or something. Uh, so, yeah, the Ponds are looking really dangerous, really dangerous going into finals. Yeah, the Ponds have had a great season as compared to the last few seasons, which is really good to see. But, yeah, Pete Stoudy, he'd had quite a, a fair quiet season before this point, but... Yeah, he really delivered uh, coming into finals and they've got a lot of different weapons, which is a recipe for success, really. Yeah, definitely um, really good performance there. And we obviously on Sunday had the Helm District Cricket Association play against uh, Grassmere, which was a rep game to make up for the uh, games missed out in Country Week, uh, wasn't it, Connor? So that was, we got down to that and it was some good cricket. Simon Close, 87, really good knock for the Hamilton boys. Uh, I think he, he batted at first drop. And it was a pretty comfortable win in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they got it done. Other than being seven out, they, will, they still got it done pretty easily. with Ten, ten overs to go. So ten overs left. So It's a pretty cruisy yeah, uh, win. They, yeah, they looked the better side. And Simon, like you said, had a great knock. And there was just a couple of guys that just chipped in and just did enough when they weren't chasing a massive total considering how many overs they had to do it in. Yeah, so a very comfortable win there uh, for the boys, Which, and I think they've got another game coming up in the coming weeks against Portland. Does that ring a bell? 
Yeah, I had a look today. 21st of Feb, so yeah, a couple of weeks against Portland. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they go there. I haven't really seen or heard much of the Portland District Cricket Association in general. So Yeah, neither. It'd be inter- is that in Hamilton? Yeah, it's at, it's at Monobay. That'll be interesting so, to hopefully go down and have a look at um, and get down and have a have a watch and see some more good cricket, I guess. So um, I think it's... I think it's time for story of the week. Uh, and there's a bit of debate, and it's a massive one from the archives here. Massive one from the archives. We've got to wind back probably, you're about 12, you reckon? Yeah, probably about 12. Pretty, pretty, I don't think we've said this one on the pod, but we could have. I don't think we have, but anyway, if it has, it's going to run again. I think a few people have heard it overall, so that's probably where we're getting it from. Uh, yeah. But anyway. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so... Cor and I, we go down to a friend's place. We're playing tennis. It's a warm day, probably 33 degrees, I reckon, to be exact. And uh, It's pretty exact. Oh, I think it was 33, maybe 0.5. And um, we slave away. We're just playing sets to six all, all day in the heat. And uh, Connor, first set, beats me 6-0. Second set, 6-0. Third set... In progress, he's up 5-0. And believe it or not, I did actually play for hours to to get that scoreline, um, which was pretty unfortunate. And uh, it's 5-love. One goes out. It's my call. I call it out. And it's for me to win the game, to get on the board for the first time for the day. And uh, I get on the board and 5-1. And something Connor didn't take so lightly. Uh, I don't know whether it was my apparently wrong decision or the overall um, one one game I won, which didn't make the scoreboard as clean for him. Uh, but he has retaliated big time. He has swung down viciously on the hard court with the right hand and hit his racket. He's Wilson Racket, and you hear a big crack. And it's just Connor and myself there, no one else. And we both realise, oh, no, you're in trouble here, mate. This is real trouble. So he thinks, look, it's cracked. I'm going to go again. And he gives it another one, and then another one, and then another one. And it is absolutely mangled on the hard court. And he's about 12 at the time, and, and, um, and I think a few tears were shed when he realised what he'd done. Uh, I don't think you can argue that. And he was dreading, rightly so, was dreading um, Dad coming to pick us up because he was quite worried about the repercussions of of him smashing a racket at the age of 12. Uh, so, yeah, that's the story. And what do you have to say about that, Connor? How does it feel? Yeah, well, it doesn't paint me in great light, does it? Uh, I was a bit of a hothead back in the day. But I was... Like any um, competitive player would do, I was just striving per- for perfection. I wanted the six love, six love, six love, but not to be from a few d- dodgy decisions there. Oh, come on, mate. If anyone had the right to smash a racket, it was me. I could have smashed 40 that day if I had it. If, if you went down six love, six love, six one, there would have been more than more than one racket smashed, I can tell you that much. Yeah, there would have been if I had more than one. I only had one. <laughs> so and I learned not to... Not to smash the racket from that point onwards. Um, yeah, I guess it's not it a good habit. It was a disappointing moment, but, yeah, I was pretty scared. 
uh, when the old man went before the old man rocked up and I copped it from him and I went my lesson more importantly. So um, yeah, we move on. Yeah, that's the that's the main thing at the end of the day, as long as you learnt the lesson. So uh, hero of the week, we move on to and I I think. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Vince might have been the hero last week, but if he was, whether he was or not, he is this week uh, to hit 96 in a final. Yeah, 95. 95 in a final. And he took a ripping catch too. Off, off 60 balls though, to hit it in a... Like, you hear players deliver all year, but to deliver on the big stage in a, in a final when it matters the most and get your team over line to go back to back, that's huge. Uh, so... Definitely the hero of the week, Jimmy Vince. It's a great knock. Yeah, he's one of those guys that hear a bit about him, the English international. He's played a bit of good test cricket too and just a really good-looking batsman when he's out there. But he just hadn't quite delivered. But then he delivered twice in as many weeks. Well, twice in a week, yeah. Yeah. In the two most important games for the season to win, win in the grand final, so... Yeah, it's a fantastic effort, really. Yeah, I don't know what they were feeding him that week, but um, it was definitely working pretty well. Uh, so I think that just about does us for cricket. Or we'll probably just mention, obviously, um, Kyle Mayers, and the the mass runs. he's And Joe Root's been scoring mass runs as well. I think I come across a stat actually the other day. Uh, Joe Root, in the last three weeks, has scored 8% of his career runs in, at, at, at test level. That's... Humongous that, yeah, humongous it's a, stuff. Uh, it's a massive eight percent of it's a his massive career effort, runs. It's not like he hasn't scored any runs overall. No. He scored, he was scoring big runs before this, but okay. probably not hitting a couple double hundreds consistently. But yeah, no, it's 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 pretty crazy. But yeah, Kyle Mayers, um, the West Indian debutant in their Test team. He made 46 in the first innings. You think, yeah, not too bad. No, you, you know? think this kid's got some potential. He hit a 46. You, I, yeah, I, I'd you, take that. You take that. But then he's gone out in the second innings, fourth innings of the game, final innings, and he's made 210 not out of 310 balls, and they've won by three wickets. So seven down. His 256 runs for the match, absolutely crucial to the victory, and they've stunned um, Bangladesh. Yeah, what an unbelievable knock. I mean, you, oh, you see a debutant come in and hit a 40 and you go, geez, he's got some go about him. Like, this is good signs. To hit 210 and let alone face 310 balls, to have the mental capacity on your debut, face 310 balls without putting a foot wrong, uh, is is unbelievable. It's a great effort. 210 not out of 310, 24s and I think 7 sixes, which is... Yeah, it's a great knock, and I don't think he's that big. Pretty little unit, I think. Uh, but, yeah, it's a really good knock from Kyle, and I look forward to seeing what he does at, at a higher level uh, in the future. Yeah. The West Indian lads, they tend to be really big lads or or really short and... Um, <laughs> yeah. but they're, they're Short lads, but they can all hit quite a big ball, obviously. You see Nicholas Peran played for the Stars a bit now. He's playing in the T10 uh, back home, and he's hidden... He's in absurd uh, scores, really, and he's he's quite a little lad. But then you see someone like Jason Holder, uh, who's six foot seven and can hit him absolute miles. So they're a pretty talented cricketing nation, I reckon the Windies. Yeah, for sure. They've played some good cricket over their journey, that's for sure. Um, we'll probably, I think that does it. Cricket. Um, we'll probably move on to 
a touch on NBA, uh, a little touch on NBA. Um, obviously, there was a couple of standout performances during the week, Connor, uh, in terms of scoring. Uh, could you run us through that? Obviously, Steph Curry, we've seen him do it before. Yeah, so yesterday, um, Steph Curry for the Golden State Warriors. They've obviously been a bit up and down the last few seasons. They've had mass injuries, including himself, in the last couple of seasons. But he scored 57 points, and they still managed to lose by two points, despite him scoring 57. And in the same game for the opposition, Luka Doncic scored 42 points, had 11 assists and seven rebounds. So he's helped them to get the victory in the end. But it's pretty stiff when you score 57 and you still can't quite get your team over the line. Oh, mate. When you come off after scoring 57 and you look at the scoreboard and you've went down, it's, it's, it's got to be deflating. Like, what more can you do? You, you've dropped 57 points and you've went down by a shot. It's, yeah. It's tough. No, to answer your question, not much. Can't do much no, more. You can't. But, yeah, they need a bit more, bit more depth, uh, I, I would suggest, and few more fellas to contribute and you'd think they'd win games like that if he's scoring 57 but he can't do it every game and you probably you'll probably see him score 20 in a game and they'll just find it find a way to win an easy way to win it's just funny how it works sometimes yeah um yeah but they were fantastic performances by two of the game's best players really yeah for sure and i think um we'll move on to a bit of tennis obviously the australian open started today uh, and it's good to have it back. It's good to have tennis back, even though I think Australian Open is obviously limited crowds and, and there'd be a fair few restrictions and stuff. Um, but, it's yeah, it's good to see a bit of tennis. Yeah, definitely. It's at 50% capacity. So I think instead of 60,000 per day, it's 30,000. Well, that would be 50%, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, so, I think it would. <laughs> yeah, but so, I mean, it's it's better than what it could have been and, probably what people thought it would have been um, even a few weeks and, and months back. So that's uh, it's really good to um, see. But I might just go through some Aussies, um, some Aussie playing. contingents, yeah, that played today. Um, Johnny Milne, uh, our second-ranked Australian tennis player, well, in, on the men's side, played Corentin Moutet, and he, he went down in a five-setter. Uh, four six seven six, six three, uh, two six, three six. In the last two sets, uh, lost them. He lost them both, which was um obviously disappointing. And the guy he was playing was, uh, uh a guy that you'd probably expect him to beat, but he did pretty well to win it. Yeah. Um, Rutet. Pretty deflating, I guess, but yeah, you know, yeah. It, that, you see that happen a bit where you've got a higher ranked seed and some bloke who's got no pressure on him at all, uh, un, unseeded, out of the top 100 probably, and he just comes in and puts on a good performance on the day. Uh, so yeah, that's a good win for the bloke and unlucky for Johnny. Yeah, and Alex Bolt played Norbert uh, Gombos. And he got the win, Alex, in four sets, 6-2, 6-2, 4-6, 6-3, which was a really good effort by Alex. And I've seen him play a bit of tennis, and he's like he's, he's a good-looking player for a guy ranked outside the top 100. So I don't think he'll be outside the top 100 for too long. James Duckworth was another one, and he played Demir uh, Zoomher, 
who is outside the top hundred, but he's been as high as thirty odd, I think. And James won that six three, six two, six four, so easy win there. Mark Polman's played Martin Fuksovics, and he lost in in five sets, uh, which wasn't a bad effort from him really. And he's also one of those guys just outside the top hundred. And then the women's Ayla Tomuljanovic played Masaki Doi, and she won that six two six one, so pretty comfortably. My mate. Yeah, yeah, your mate. Uh, Kimberly Beerl played Rebecca Marino, and she lost zero six six seven. So put up a better fight in the second set there, but she's only a young, a young Aussie. And then, then tonight, uh, Sajita played Bernard Tomic. I uh, haven't heard a lot of the result. Bernard uh, in the last while, he's been yeah, he has been, been missing the big fella. I think he's been partying somewhere. But yeah, he won. He won by uh, retired. Uh, he lost. His, he lost the first set six three, and then he. Won the second set 6-1 and he was up 4-1 before Sajida retired uh, with a side injury. So that's no good for him, but good for Bernard to get a, we'll get a win, uh, I guess we'll call it. And Nick Kyrgios defeated um, Ferreira Silva tonight, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. So um, pretty comfortable victory from Nick, which was good to see and was that Cabrera, another young Aussie, played Simona Hull, which was a tough Tough gear. Pretty guns. tough introduction. Yeah, she's second seed. Yeah, she's so world number two. And she lost that one six two, six one, but it's good experience nonetheless for her to get out there and, and play in a Grand Slam major. That wraps up the Oz Open, but looking forward to the next few weeks of action. Yeah, no, it's probably one of the few years we haven't went. Um but yeah, it's really I always love getting down there. Uh, it's always good to see whether you're watching world number one, Roger Federer, or like whether you're watching a Roger Federer or a bloke that's 100th seed, 100th in the world, I mean. Um, it's always good hitting. They're quality players, all of them, all professionals, and, yeah, they hit it extremely well. Uh, so it's good to see. Um, AFLW, we'll just briefly touch on that. Uh, obviously, some of the good sides going into it. we obviously got the ladders currently sitting with... Brisbane and North Melbourne at the top. Uh, I think North Melbourne are probably my tip to take it out at the moment. Uh, they've looked pretty strong from what I've seen. Brisbane had a massive win. Uh, I think smashed aside, where barely scored. Might have been um, Geelong, actually. Yeah, no, Gold Coast in the Q clash, I think it was. Okay. Uh, 65 to 2, I think it was. So, yeah, that's. And Tigers are struggling again. But, yeah, I think. Um, Co- Carlton's been an interesting one. They've, they went 0-2 uh, and, and they were predicted to be the flag favourites. So that'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Uh, but the Tigers girls are struggling 0-2. Uh, but yeah, I think Frio North and Brisbane um, and obviously Adelaide and Melbourne are always around the mark, I think. Uh, but Frio seem to be all right and same with Brisbane and North. But I think North might tip at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'm, I'm going to uh, disagree with you and say I reckon Adelaide's probably my tip. Uh, they've been, they've had a couple of pretty comfortable wins. They've got Aaron Phillips, um, Ebony Marinoff, uh, uh, Chelsea Randall. So a few pretty good players there. Uh, Ian Hatchard, another one. So they're four pretty, um, pretty good mid, mid forwards for them. Uh, yeah, that are pretty handy. So, but any one of those 
uh, four or five, really. Could could probably win it. They've all had two wins, the top five uh, from as many games. But, yeah, just to touch on the Richmond girls, uh, they've lost their first two games, which is uh, it's not it's not ideal. But I think they've been they've been in games without uh, sort of putting that sort of score on the board. Uh, like their scoring shots have been relatively even. They haven't got pumped in the scoring shots, but they just haven't been able to kick straight. And that's probably the difference between a five goal loss and a two or three goal loss uh, in their first two games. So they'll be looking to kick a bit straighter and hopefully can get a win soon or just keep competing and get uh, have some really close contests. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that wraps that up. We'll talk about best off-field and best on-field for the week. Best off-field, it's got to go to Rowley's balls, Matty Rowe. Uh, it sounds odd when you say it like that, but Matty Rowley's, uh, if you haven't seen, he's got a collection of footballs and um, in excess of 50, and they're from all different times, from Auskick to his draft to his probably first game match ball. He's got everything Matty Rowe in there. So uh, I loved uh, the little seven AFL coverage of him um, or the, the footy coverage of him with his room full of footballs. Uh, it was pretty funny to see. So I think that's best off field for the week. And best on field, it would be rude not to give it to Tom Brady. Uh, the 43-year-old veterans won his seventh Super Bowl championship today. Uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31, absolutely smashing uh, the Chiefs. The can, can I Chiefs? Is it can I? Uh, to be honest, to be honest, I really didn't get in uh, that into it. But I did see Tom Brady after the game. Uh, he declared he's going to go around again. So a 43-year-old, seven Super Bowl uh, rings and championships. So yeah, he's going to go around again and. He's motivated for more success, the big fella. So that it's it's really a fantastic effort that at that age to still be performing that well. And I'm pretty sure three first half uh, touchdown throws from him, which yeah, it speaks volumes of him as a player, I suppose. And he's obviously pretty fit and pretty hungry to go again if he's 43 and still playing fantastic football. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great effort from him. He's a bit of a Dan Christian of um in terms of the championships uh of the um the game, but he's been compared to Dusty in the past <laughs> few hours, uh the Dusty of that that uh over there. Yeah, Dane so, Swan. Yeah, Jake, Swanee Dusty's mate said, so. yeah, close mate of Dusty, but the NFL. It's a bit Dusty like that. Of the NFL. They, they both play pretty well in big games but just to touch on Dan Christian as you mentioned he's now he was obviously at Sydney Sixers all-rounder and he's now won 10 domestic T20 tournaments uh, from 2010 onwards so 10 in the last 10 11 years. Stars should get him mate and there might be a chance. Oh I reckon and oh well <laughs> wherever he goes seemingly they win uh, so Maybe it is worth a crack. And the Renegade, he played for the Renegades. The Renegades won their, Mate, won their only um, uh, only flag there. Just get him, put him in his uh, walking chair, like put him in his walking chair, and um, sit him on the sidelines. And it's just the good luck charm of him, I think. Put him in his nursing home and just bring him out to the games, and you might still get a win. So yeah. get him on board. He's but getting on, but Cal man, Ferg, he's had some. Cal Ferg also, Callum Ferguson, the Sydney Thunder captain. Was released from his contract or not 
not offered another contract despite averaging 31, which is a fair fair effort in the T20 format at a good rate of knots too. He's um, going at 130, 140 strike rate. So I th- I, it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't get picked up by someone else, but I'm really not too sure what they're thinking there. Maybe young fellas coming through like Ollie Davies, uh, Tanvi Sanger, but well, batsman, so Ollie Davies probably, but it's pretty stiff to see Carl Ferg go out of the side and he's retired from first class cricket. So T20s is... Uh, main format now, but I th- I'm pretty confident that he'd find a new home. He's still a very good cricketer. Yeah, well, on that, that absolutely bamboozles me how Callum Ferguson does not get offered a contract. The bloke's a skipper, is he not? Yeah, we, he, he was a skipper. Well, <laughs> he's your captain, and he's hit 405 runs in 15 innings, averaging over 30, best of 60 not out, 10th in the tournament run scorers list and second for the Thunder, only trailing Alex Hales and he hasn't been offered a contract, which absolutely – what are you – I know he's 36, but the blokes – Age is just a number when you're playing that well. Oh. Tom Brady, 43. <laughs> Dan Christian's 37 or 38. And he's, I just think he'd be he's pretty – winning flags for fun. He'd be pretty disappointed. Uh, apart, I think the only reason they could have really given him is to say – Mate, you're too old uh, because they can't say he's not playing well enough because he's he's still hitting runs week Stats in week out. Either, so. Uh, so it was a it was a big shock to me. I did not see that coming. I thought he was. Um, yeah, when I heard that, you'd surely think he'd get picked up. But uh, I mean, you can understand Benny Dunk uh, being released yeah, from his contract midway through the season, but very different. Callum Ferguson. I don't think I've seen something quite like that. Benny Dunk was no skipper for the. Um, yeah, I don't think I've club. seen someone of that. That calibre just just being not offered a contract. It's yeah, it's it's probably disappointing. But yeah, I've I've seen a few. Like South I said, he, it's definitely going to find a new home. You yeah, well, thought. I've, I've seen plenty of people say come back to South Australia, Cal, because uh, he was formerly. Form, do you play for the Strikers? Yeah, he used to play for the Strikers. Yeah, so, so I think a few. I, I've heard a few um, Adelaide Strikers supporters say, "Come back home, Cal." Yeah, he's a uh, South Australian. I think the Strikers would be. More than happy to pick him up, and he played some great Sheffield Shield for many years with South Australia. Yep. Uh, in that competition, and a bit of Test cricket didn't go his his way in that format, but he's he's been a fantastic player in really all forms. Yeah. Uh, dating back to the early two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> he's I reckon. Been around for a while. Well, speaking of the early two thousands, now you've got me on a rampage. Uh, Essendon no finals. They haven't won a final, isn't it? It, it was a good, si- good lead-in, wasn't it? It ticked over 6,000 days, it was. It ticked over 6,000 days, uh, I think only a couple of days ago. And uh, 6,000 days, she's a long time between drinks, isn't it? To win, like we're not even talking grand final here, we're talking they haven't won a final uh, for 6,000 days. And they haven't played too many finals in that time either. No, they haven't really but, even had that finals experience. Oh, man, it's stiff. Uh, that like, you crave. I'm going to put together an Instagram uh, graphic showing, you know, what life was like when uh, Essendon won their last play, uh, when they won their last final, sorry. Uh, you know, like I want to, what was it, 04? Yeah, I think it was 04. We're, we're talking black and white telly. Oh, we're talking nearly before <laughs> but, our but time. Back then, they won the flag in 2000 and it yeah, might have been sure. 2004, I think. A lot of people thought, I've seen a few things, a lot of people thought after that premiership that there was going to be a dynasty. 
and it just never happened despite having a good side. And then 2004, since then, they've really had a, but a dry patch. I, I will put together something to show you guys uh, what what life was like and um, how much, I guess, society's changed since Essendon won a final. It's, it's astounding to think about it. It's been 17 years since they've won a final. Uh, so that's, yeah, poor buggers up. Condolences to any Essendon supporters. Uh, hang in there. Hang tough, guys. It gets better. Yeah, well, from from experience going for the Tigers, it, it does get better. Not sure if it means winning three flags in four years, but hopefully the Dons... Don't, don't bump up the Tigers too much, right? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully the Dons can, yeah, find get the, the finals soon and get a win. I mean, they have a reasonable side to not be playing finals for that long a time. Yeah. But they've obviously had a few issues... That we probably won't go into. No, we won't. Over the years, which has set them back a fair bit. I mean, any other side going through that, it probably would have struggled too. So they've done well to recover. Yeah, and I'll, we'll move on now to when nearly concluding. I think we've only got this last topic, uh, new AFL rules. Obviously, we've got... It's been put in place that the player on the mark is not allowed to move laterally uh, at all. Players can't swap with uh, teammates on the mark. And uh, also there'll be a five-metre protected uh, area which teammates can't enter around a player with a free kick or taking a kick, which, um, look, I, I think just leave the game. as Like, I've seen lots of comments and they're valid, completely valid. I leave the game as it is. It's just making it harder for umpires and players. And it's making... Like, I know it's all for a reason... And it's all to promote scoring or whatever. It's all for something. And there's thoughts behind it. Like they don't just say, oh, let's make it harder for umps. But it's just, it makes it harder for umps. Interpretations get a bit blurry, a bit murky. Things start to get confused. Players get confused. And if, if those rules are going to be strictly abided by, we'll be seeing... Oh, free kicks, left, right and centre. No movement laterally. Like players have been moving sideways on the mark for years and players can't swap with a opponent on the mark. So I mean, a teammate on the mark. So if big forward gets caught up down the line. I mean, sorry, defender go, gets dragged down with a forward. He gets stuck on the mark. He can't drop back to help out anyone else. He's just got to stay there. He can't swap with a teammate and run back. It's good to stay there. So it's it's going to be weird, I think. It'll be different, but we'll see how it goes, obviously. Yeah, well, in terms of promoting scoring, I think it's it's the perfect, probably, idea with no lateral movement on the mark because then the player can go inside, but I'm I'm not a fan of... I'm not a fan of change. I know, but with uh, no lateral movement, Connor... I like it how could, it is. The man could just stand still on the mark on the left side, could he not? Because there's no rule that says he has to stand in the middle of the mark. He could still yeah, well, he could still force him to go down the line without actually moving laterally. Yeah, well, the umpire will will um put uh, set the mark out, and that's where it has to be. So there could be a few grey areas to that. But I think there'll be. I'm really definitely... not a fan of um not uh, the five meter protected zone for players of the same team. And what'd you say that the free kick might be reversed? Because that's. Well, I'm not sure, but I assume that would be the case. Yeah, well, because that's a, you've got a five-meter protected area. Or they reset area, or something. Five-meter protected area that 
teammates can't go into. Uh, what if the teammate goes into it? I assume it's going to be a, a free kick against. I don't know because it's yeah, well, not, it, they're not going to let it happen. That's like your main source of drive. Like, like, him, like if the ruckman's got it, you probably don't want him trying to uh, burn one off, uh, like a forty metre kick into the middle, or you know, just a kick of any sort into the middle. You want him passing off to his mid. So, I think guys like Chawar who uh, rely on that sort of ball are going to struggle to get. Get the ball a little bit, but but that um yeah that that's a part of uh, scoring chains, really. So they're promoting it by um, not uh, not taking a not allowing lateral movement on the mark so that you can go inside. But I think they're deterring it a little bit, but by not allowing people to give the handballs off and meters gained and running forward. Yeah, so I think they just... It's a little bit weird. Well, I don't know. I think they just want to clear it out a bit. Don't want people running past the bloke. Want him to kick it long. Um, kind of move it a bit quicker, maybe. Well, not yeah, quicker. I do, I do understand that. But like, like, I do understand that view, too. They don't want people everywhere. They want to be able to clear it out a bit. They want it clear so they can just go Coast. long and direct, yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll move on. We've got a couple of viewer questions. Bradman Nelson, uh, great Great man. We don't know him, but he's a great fantastic, bloke. Fantastic man. Supporter of the pod. Yeah, Bradman. Uh, and he's sending a couple of questions. Funniest sporting moment in your careers. Uh, I'll kick it off, Bradman. I think Oh, it was a tough one, uh, but I'd have to probably say when I went out to bat, opening the batting in seniors uh, with my iPhone 6 in my pocket, my cricket pocket without uh, a cover, uh, that's probably the funniest moment of my career when I was out there and I felt it vibrate. Uh, it's not that funny for me, but it was quite amusing for other people uh, to find out that I had my phone out there. Uh, but, yeah, fortunately, Bradman, I was only out there for the one ball, mate, so it didn't do too much damage. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably up there. Or a good falcon in footy where I got a blood nose, but, yeah. Yeah, Thanks a lot for the question, mate. Um, appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate you sending them through. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's a good question. Um, probably my funniest sporting moment, I would say, is playing basketball. Uh, probably back in in under twelves, uh, where we didn't we didn't really know where we were going. Uh, what how we would what what, what <laughs> am I trying to say? Uh, sorry about that. Didn't don't really know. Uh, the rules and stuff at that stage and uh, we weren't really great basketballers but on this one occasion um we uh, we probably lost most weeks but on this one occasion and we come up against the side and we absolutely thumped them we ended up beating them i think the score's 89 to 6 um blowout yeah so it's, it's a big win but i think after it got to 40 points we we had to go past half court. Might have so, even been twenty, I think. Oh, 20, yeah, it probably was. So we had to go past um, half court, so we could just let allow, it down. Yeah, allow them to bring the ball down and get into their half easily. But uh, on many occasions, they'd pass it in, and it'd hit their foot, or they'd pass it to some guy, and he'd take three steps, and it'd be a travel. So it was, it was, it was pretty funny to watch. It just hit guys' foot and go out, but you also felt a little bit sorry for them that they couldn't really take a trick that day and uh, what was being introduced to help them, it didn't work at all, really. So that's probably my my funny moment. But so, sorry for the little little jumble of words there, mate. 
didn't know what I was trying to get out. Yeah, no, it was a pretty dark day for those lads. Uh, I, it has to be said, call me Steph Curry. I dropped 38 that day, and that is no word of a lie. That's actually, I'm not actually joking. I did. Uh, that was when I hit my prime back when I was about 11, 12. Uh, now, now scoring's dried up. We get the odd teens, but nothing like that. So, yeah, no, nah, it was a great day out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any any other question? Uh, yeah, and you said the fav moment, favorite, what's your favourite moment of the 2020 AFL season? Uh, Bradman, it'd have to be, considering we're Tigers fans, have to be the flag uh, going back to back. It was pretty special, pretty awesome feeling. Uh, obviously, Dusty, three norms. Um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's probably my favourite moment. Apart from the Richmond flag, I'd probably have to say Jack Nunes, the goal after the sign that was pretty unreal. Uh, from the boundary, tight angle, 50 metres out nearly. Um, doesn't get much more pressure than that. And he slotted it well and truly. So that was probably one of the highlights of the year as well, uh, apart from the flag. Yeah. Yeah, Bradman, I'm not sure who you go for, but, yeah, as Blair said, we're both Richmond supporters, so if you don't go for them, you probably don't want to hear too much of this. But, um, yeah, the Richmond Premiership was uh, it's probably my favourite moment. Uh, seeing as I go for Richmond, but also first week of finals, um, Collingwood did play West Coast and everybody gave no, Collingwood no chance and thought they'd get absolutely pumped and that was at, at Optus Stadium in WA and they managed to win by a point and earlier that day St Kilda won by three points against the Western Bulldogs, so I think those two games really epitomised finals footy were tough and hard and fantastic contest it's contest to watch really um so that was probably probably my other uh, main moment um yeah to to watch and it was yeah fantastic really yeah for sure and that wraps us up for um episode 37 we've obviously got a guest coming for episode 38 stay tuned for that uh young and up up and comer in the afl uh so yeah that'll be really good hopefully we'll get that friday uh friday that'll be out so Friday night uh, so yeah stay tuned for that get keen and um, thanks for listening uh, it's been real once again appreciate you um, getting around it and uh, yeah have a great week and we'll, we'll have a yeah have a great week and we'll see you Friday with a new app thanks guys it's been real <laughs>